Hashem, we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you that you are faithful and true to your word, that where two or three gather in your name, that you are in the midst of us. We thank you that you desire to manifest your presence, God, and we say we want to receive that manifest presence. We thank you that you live within us, but we know there's more of you, God, and we want to experience that more here in our congregation that would help us to impact the world around us. We pray that we would have ears to hear what Jeruach would say to us through your message today, and we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. So last week, Rabbi Michael started our new series entitled Making a Difference in the World. If you remember, we had just finished the series on transformation and how Adonai wants us to know that we are transformed. Okay, I have to get rid of this because Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Someone want to take this phone? She's going to take a whole message down. So as we went through the four weeks on transformation uh, and the Rabbi Michael uh, uh, transitioned into this new series, he talked about how God wants us to understand that we are being transformed for a reason, that we would make a difference in our world. And last week, Rabbi Michael spoke about being called to make a difference. And today's message is entitled, How to Make a Difference in the Midst of Difficulty. The reality is life has its challenges And sometimes things do not go the way we envisioned or we planned. Difficulties arise. We face hardships and obstacles to our faith and to God's call on our lives. I don't normally do this, but I did this time. I looked up the word difficulty in the English dictionary just to see what it would say this word means. And it said, a condition or state of affairs almost beyond one's ability to deal with, and requiring great effort to bear or overcome. So have you or are you facing difficulties in your life? I have, and I currently am, okay? So what do we do when this is the case? How do we respond to the challenge and difficulties of lives? I'm going to say it is easy to give up and say, I'll try another day. Or it's easy to give up and just throw in the towel and say, this is not worth it. I'm just going to just stop completely. But I believe Adonai would encourage us that we need to be committed to making a difference, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. I truly believe that we are all called to be history makers in our generation and in our spheres of influence, as Rabbi Michael spoke about last week, whatever that may be. But this means we must rise above the hindrances and struggles so that the people around us will be impacted with the presence of Adonai that they too may experience the same transformation that we have experienced in coming to faith through Yeshua. As we choose to persevere in difficulty, I can assure you that we will be agents of change under uh, ushering in the presence and power of God in our world today. So I want to look at four young people from the Hebrew Bible as examples of those who made a difference even though they faced great difficulty and challenge. These are four young people that we're all very familiar with, and each of them faced a different challenge, yet they were all able to make a difference in the midst of difficulty and hardship. And as we examine these four young people, I want us to seek to emulate these qualities that they demonstrated 
so that we can see the people around us being touched for God as well and their lives being impacted. And again, that we would be ushering in the presence and power of God into our situation and our circumstances that not only touch and change us, but also, again, impact the world around them. When we look at these four young people, it wasn't just about them. It was about others. And that's what making a difference is about. So the first one is Joseph. We read the story of, of Joseph in he, English, Joseph, in the book of Bereshit from chapter 37 on through the end of the book. And it gives us the story of this young man. We just finished the book of uh, Bereshit a, a few weeks ago in our weekly uh, reading uh, through the Torah this year. And again, most of us are familiar with this story. Uh, Yosef was the favorite son of his father. Uh, Avonai gave him a couple of dreams of his future, but things took a different direction than what the dreams had revealed to him. And we know that his brothers wanted to kill him. Instead, they ended up selling him to merchants traveling to Egypt. In Egypt, he was sold as a slave to a royal official. The official's wife accused him of molesting her. So then he was sent to prison under these false accusations. But in the end, he rose out of that prison to become second in command in the land of Egypt and was used to make a difference in his generation by saving not only the Jewish people, which we often focus on that, but the Egyptians and the other peoples of the world at that time because the famine was throughout the whole world and they would come down to Egypt to get food and grain. So God truly used Joseph to make a difference in his world. So what can we learn from his life? What do we see him doing in the midst of the difficulties that he faced? Number one, he continued to serve. Sometimes when things get a little difficult and challenging, serving others is the last thing we want to do. Let me curl up in a ball and, uh, uh, you know, just pull the covers over my head. And uh, maybe in a few days when it all passes, I will think again about serving. No, Yosef continued to serve wherever he was placed, whatever he, uh, situation he found himself in, from Potiphar's house to the prison. And in those moments of serving, the scriptures tell us, if you read through, and I'm not reading through these passages on these people because they're chapters, but I would encourage you to take time during this week to read through the stories of these young men and women and to contemplate their lives. But the scriptures tell us that God prospered everything Yosef did. This was not while he was out in the fields dreaming the dreams. This was not when he was second in command to Pharaoh. This was while he was a slave and while he was a prisoner, that God prospered everything he did because he had a heart to serve, and he continued to serve even though life was difficult, even though he was facing challenges and I believe that that's one of the qualities that helped him to be used by God to make a difference in his world. The second thing we see about Joseph is he never accused God. In fact, at the end of the story, he declares that it was God 
who used all these bad things to bring good. Remember how nervous his brothers were because they're like, oh, no, now he's going to get revenge on us. And Joseph says, don't be concerned. Don't be upset. You didn't send me here. God was in control all this time. And he is using all of this to bring about today what is happening, that the Jewish people would be saved, but also the nations of the world would be saved from this famine that has come across the land. Never accuse God. Sometimes when things get a little tough, we can often say, God, what are you doing? Or sometimes I find this coming off my lips, where are you at? (laughs) Now's a good time to show up, God. The third thing we see about Joseph is he held on to his dream. He was a teenager when he had that dream. And we know many, many years passed before the dream would be fulfilled. But Joseph never gave up on it. He held on to the dream because he knew that God had spoken it to him. And trust me, when he was exalted to the second in command in Egypt, and when his brothers first appeared before him and bowed down, he didn't reveal himself to them at that first encounter. But trust me, that dream immediately came to his mind. This is what God was talking about way back many, many years ago when I was a teenager. He knew that God had spoken to him. And he also understood that circumstances and people could not overpower the purpose of God in his life. That's why he was able to continue to serve, even though it was a difficult and challenging situation. Because that circumstance of being a slave, that circumstance of being in prison, wasn't going to dissuade his heart from believing the fact that one day that dream was going to come to pass. And that dream, again, would help him or allow him to make a great difference in the world he lived in. I want to encourage you today, don't let your dreams die. God has given them to you for a reason. Yes, he wants you to rise above the adversity that you might be facing right now, but the dream is much bigger than you, just as it was much bigger than Joseph, right? It wasn't just about him being in command and his family bowing down before him. As I've already said, it was about impacting and making a difference in the world. And certainly this young man did as he exhibited these qualities in his life. And I want to encourage us that we need to be the same type of people that Yosef was. Continue to serve. Don't point your finger at God or your fist at God and hold on to the dream that he has given to you. David is the second young person I want to look at. His story is given to us throughout the books of Shmuel, Aleph, and Bed, First and Second Samuel. He was a shepherd uh, taking care of his father's sheep when we first encounter him. He was then thrust into a battle with one of the most formidable foes that Israel had faced, Goliath. Adonai anointed him to be king of Israel, but his predecessor sought to kill him, even though David honored his position. (coughs) When David became king, he faced many other challenges, 
Some were of his own doing because he committed adultery and murder. Others were simply difficulties that life sent his way. His own son, Absalom, led a revolt against him, driving David from the holy city of Jerusalem. Yet, as we look through the whole of David's life, we see that he rose above those challenges and difficulties, and he, too, made a difference in his generation. So let's look at some of the qualities. And obviously, you can tell there's a lot more that could be said about all of these stories and all of these lives. I've just picked out three things about each of them. One, number one is he knew his God was greater. When others saw the size of Goliath, David saw the greatness of his God. When the seasoned and bravest of Israel's soldiers shook with fear, think about that. They were seasoned, brave soldiers who had fought in many battles, were shaking in fear, hiding in the tents. David stood with confidence in the God of Israel that he knew. He said to, Phil, to that Philistine, he said, You come against me with a sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the living God of Israel, whom you defy, and today he will deliver your head into my hand. That was not being cocky. That was not saying, I'm something that you need to look at. But that was saying, my God is bigger and greater than you. I don't care what difficulty or challenge you may be facing. I don't care how overwhelmed you may feel. I don't care if the, the waves are coming over your head and you feel like you are drowning. I want you to understand the truth that David understood. God is greater than your circumstance. He is all-powerful. There is nothing and no one who can compare to him. And because David understood the greatness of the God that he knew, he was able to defeat a giant that no one else would face. We did a series, I think it was last year, on giant slayers. God wants each of us to slay a lot of giants in the land and in our lives today. Again, not just for our sake, but to impact and make a difference in the world. The second thing I thought about David was that he re respected the anointing of God on others and honored that. Even though King Saul was trying to kill David, David still respected him in his office as king. One day, David and his men were hiding in the cave, and King Shaul Saul came in to relieve himself, and the, David's men said, Aha, this is God. He has delivered your enemy into your hands. The one who has sought to kill you, God has now delivered him to you so that you could kill him. What was David's response? God forbid. God forbid that I should touch the anointed. Even though what King Saul was doing was, was wrong. We live in a society where there is little respect for leadership and others. A few months ago, I was talking, I think it was with Rena, about this whole concept of honor. We don't know how to honor others and to honor one another. Again, from leaders to spouses to parents to other people in our life, 
But David knew how to respect and to honor. I've been in the kingdom for many, many years. I was six years old. That's 53 years, if you're counting. I've been under many different leaders. And I can tell you, like me as a leader, they had their foibles. They had issues and struggles. They weren't perfect. They made mistakes just like I do. But they were to be respected and honored because God had placed them in that position at that season and at that time. And I know you can bring me up examples, and I could tell you examples of people who abused power and leadership, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not diminishing that or taking away from that, but that doesn't excuse us from honoring and respecting, not just leadership, but again, one another to respect the person sitting across the aisle from you or in front of you and to honor them. That's something that needs to be restored to the body of Messiah today. And the third thing that we see about David is that he was a man of repentance. A man of repentance. When Nathan the prophet confronted him with his sin of adultery and murder, David did not justify it. David did not uh, uh, try to uh, wiggle his way out of the confrontation. He said, I'm the man. And he cried out to God and he said, against you and you only, God, have I sinned. Now, Rabbi Michael and I are reading a, a, a book, and we've encouraged our leadership to pick it up, and most of them have. I'll share it with the rest of you. If you want to get this book, you can get it. On Amazon, The Fire That Never Sleeps. I sometimes get the title wrong. And then there is a chapter on repentance. And uh, the book is written by three different authors, uh, John Kilpatrick, Michael Brown, and Larry Sparks. And um, the chapter on repentance talks about how repentance, when there's true repentance, there is a change that has taken place. And we've talked about this, especially around the high holidays, Shabbat, Shuvah, and stuff. I can see myself, and I can see myself even saying this. It's like deja vu, saying I said this before. That, you know, the Hebrew word for repentance, Teshuvah, Shuv, you're walking this way. And repentance means I turn around and I walk the total different way. I change the direction that I'm going. And this goes back to our first message on transformation. Transformation begins when we are born anew, when we choose to accept Yeshua as our Messiah, and we repent of our ways, and we turn from our ways and turn to his ways. And even as I spoke in my message on actions, not acting, ending the transformation series, I talked about how our flesh will always try to rise up, you know, that nasty flesh, right, of anger and jealousy and et cetera, et cetera, that will try to, to control my actions and attitudes, but I have a choice to live a lifestyle of repentance so that when I give in and I get angry at my husband, which never happens, because I told the story about how I did get angry, right, I can repent first to God and then to my husband. And that lifestyle of repentance 
You see, in this postmodern society, repentance has become a bad word in the body of Messiah. But I'm going to tell you, it is the word that is needed in this hour because true repentance is what will change each and every person that we encounter. It was true repentance that changed me one day when I was six years old and I walked down to the front of a sanctuary and I accepted Yeshua as my Messiah. And as you know the story, I walked back to my seat understanding what I had done and saying to myself, this is the thought I had, I have done and understood things that many adults don't even know and understand. That was how clear my understanding was at six years old. You may have been 20 years old. You may have been 30 years old. It doesn't matter how old you were when you repented. And maybe you're here today and you have never truly repented. Maybe you said a prayer, but I'm going to tell you now, saying a prayer is not repentance. Repentance means, yes, you're going to accept Yeshua, but again, it's not just a verbal, oh, I believe in Yeshua. Yaakov tells us the demons believe in Yeshua. What good does it do them? Repentance means that you are turning. I'm turning away from my way of doing things. Yes, I'm accepting Yeshua and his death, burial, and resurrection as my only means of atonement, and I'm leaving behind that life and embracing a new life in him. And as I said, it's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. David was the king of Israel at that point. He was a man of God. He had spent many hours worshiping and seeking God, but he blew it, and he repented. So repentance is a good quality to have if we want to make a difference in this world. The third person I want to look at is Hadassah. Now, we're going to soon be celebrating Purim, and we'll probably talk about her. I know I'm going to speak in the youth meeting on that Wednesday night before Purim celebration about the themes of Purim and, and Hadassah, but I could not bring her into this series because this young woman faced great difficulties and challenges as well. She lost her parents and was raised by a cousin. See, little details we don't think about. We just think about, oh, she was a queen. How great, you know, queen for the day, right? But she, had, she didn't have her parents. She was raised by a cousin, a cousin who I'm sure loved her, but it's still not the same as having your mom. She grew up without a mom, okay? For, for a young girl, that, that could be a little difficult. She was a captive in a foreign land who had to participate in this pageant to please Please, this ruthless king. And last year, we did a study on Wednesday nights on the book of, uh, of Esther. Rabbi Michael did in his study. And, and he pointed out, you know, that because of the plays that we do here uh, about the story of Purim, and we make it look like, you know, this, this fun thing, you know, and how the king is goofy and silly. But in real life, this king was ruthless, okay? He wasn't a nice man. And yet she was forced to parade in this pageant in front of him and unfortunately in the natural was chosen to be one of his wives. Not his only wife, one, okay, in his harem. Well, that sounds like a good life, right? Right? 
And yet she rose above these challenges and was used mildly to make a difference in her generation. And as we all know, and we will be celebrating here on March the 11th, her actions brought deliverance to our Jewish people at a time where Hasatan once again sought to annihilate and wipe us out. So what can we emulate of this young woman's life? Number one, she braced her identity as a Jewish person. So often we are embarrassed of our faith, and we have this tendency, especially for those young people who are here in the room or perhaps listening to the podcast, there's such pressure on you to to fit in, right? And being a person of faith, uh, this came up even in our study on Wednesday night, uh, the question was, why do people find it hard to celebrate God? And, and one of the youth shared that, well, sometimes it's, it's difficult because you're like the only one. I said, so you feel like you, you're sticking out like a sore thumb? Yeah. Okay, so in a world where others around you are not following Yeshua uh, to embrace your identity as a, a believer and a follower of Yeshua can be a difficult to, thing to do. And for those of uh, us who are Jewish believers or those of us who are Gentile believers connected to this Messianic congregation, it can be even more difficult. As my husband has said, we uh, are not understood by the Gentile-believing world. Uh, they look at us and sometimes think we have two heads. And then, of course, the Jewish community has issues with us because of our faith in Messiah. And so in the midst of all of this, sometimes uh, we can have an identity crisis, right? And what should we do? Well, I want to encourage you. We need to embrace our identity as who we are. Uh, if you're a Jewish believer, as a Jewish believer, as a Gentile believer connected to, uh, to a Messianic synagogue... And I believe for all of us as believers, it is time for us to stand up boldly for our faith and our identity as followers of Yeshua. We have hidden in the shadows for too long as the body of Messiah. And we have let life happen around us and let the world go on. And friends, I think that that needs to change. I think we need to be bold in our identity as followers of Yeshua. The second thing we see about her is she received advice from others. From her cousin Mordecai to the man who was in charge of the beauty treatments, Hadassah openly embraced input. In other words, she actually listened to what they told her to do and acted accordingly. This is what we call being teachable. Okay? So she listened to the advice of others. Again, listening, not meaning, oh, I hear what you're saying, Mordecai, now let me go do what I want to do. Or I hear what you say, Haggai, the leader of the the beauty thing, but I'm going to do it my way. No, 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 no. She listened and she acted accordingly. Friends, God has put people in each of our lives who are there to give us advice. to encourage us in his ways and to make right decisions in circumstances and situations that might be difficult for us. And we need to have ears to hear and listen and then do what we're being encouraged to do. 
whether that's from a message like you're hearing right now, this is God speaking and encouraging you, or whether it be you're sitting over a, a, a cup of coffee or a bagel at Panera Bread uh, tomorrow, and you're sharing something, and one of the ladies speaks something to you, and that could be God speaking, giving you advice. But we have this tendency to say, I'm in control of my life. I don't need you to tell me what to do. And friends, that attitude gets us into trouble. But the attitude that Hadassah had of being willing to receive input and to act upon it helped her to make a difference in the world she lived in. Think if she didn't listen to Mordecai. Think if she didn't listen to the guy in charge of the beauty treatments and she did things her own way. She may not have been chosen as the queen. And if she was not chosen as the queen, then who would have been used to deliver the Jewish people? Because you can say, well, what's the big deal if I use this perfume or that perfume? I happen to like this one. But it did make a difference. A difference that allowed her to be chosen as the queen. Which leads me to my last point on Hadassah. She understood that she had been placed into her position for a reason. Friends, there are no accidents in God. For such a time as this, you have been called exactly where you find yourself right now. As Rabbi Michael spoke in his message last week, you have a sphere of influence that only you have. I don't have the same sphere of influence that Chris has or Ray Lynn has. And God has placed you in that place for a reason. And understanding that will help us to embrace where we're at and allow God to use us to impact others around us and to make a difference in our generation that perhaps it might lead to the salvation of hundreds and thousands of Jewish people and you just don't know it yet. Finally, I want to look at Daniel. Like Hadassah, Daniel found himself a captive in a foreign land. Yet he, like Joseph before him, rose to a position of leadership within this foreign government. However, he too faced challenges and difficulties, from being commanded to eat the king's food to being commanded to stop praying to the one true God of Israel. What three things can we learn from him? Number one, he did not compromise. It started with the king's food that he was ordered to eat and continued through the ban on praying. David ref- Daniel refused to compromise on the truth of the scriptures. Friends, we must not give in even an inch on the principles and commandments that Adonai has given us. One compromise will definitely lead to a second compromise, to a third compromise, and continue until the life that we are living looks nothing like the faith life of the Holy Scriptures. We cannot compromise on what we know to be the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter what uh, a law may come into the land. It doesn't matter what uh, someone tells me to do or not do. I must be true to God's word. So when they said you cannot pray, Daniel continued to pray. Okay, because he was going to follow the truth of God's word. Friends, compromise is another thing that has crept into the body of Messiah so that what we look like today is nothing 
Again, like what the first kehila looked like, we are often compared to, to the rest of the world in terms of the habits and the lifestyle that we live. And friends, this should not be so. The second thing is he cared about others. You know, sometimes it's hard to care about others when you're facing your own challenges and difficulties. But when the king had a dream and the other leaders, and, and they were called magicians and soothsayers of the land uh, of Babylon where Daniel was, uh, could not interpret this, uh, the king said, okay, I'm going to kill you all. Now, Daniel could have said, well, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know, you can be killed, and, and I'll go in and, and take care of myself because I can interpret this because of God. But no, 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 he went in on behalf of all of them to save all of their lives. He was concerned about others. In the midst of your own challenge and difficulty, don't forget others around you. And that, again, as Hadassah, that you're there for a reason and that God can use you strategically in that challenge and difficulty you are in to minister to the needs of other people. And the last thing about Daniel that we can see from this story is that he refused to be intimidated by others. This goes with the fact that he did not compromise. Again, he didn't go into hiding when the ban on praying was issued. No, he went to his window. He opened it up wide. This was his custom. He was not doing this to showboat or anything. This is how he always prayed. He opened up that window three times a day and prayed towards Jerusalem, as he always had done. He was not going to be intimidated. And what happened? He got into more trouble. He ended up in the lion's den with lions who were hungry. No matter what you know, version you might have read, these lions were real. Okay? It's God who shut the mouth of the lions to prevent them from eating Daniel. We live in an environment that can be very intimidating to believers. People want, again, want us to shut up and sit down and, you know, let them do the things their way. Just as it's not time to compromise, it's not time to be intimidated by others. And as I said, not time to run and hide. We've done that for so, so long as believers. We need to, again, I'm not talking about being rude <coughs> or overbearing, but simply to be who we are as followers of Yeshua and to let that shine brightly wherever we find ourselves. What else could we save these four young people? I could go on and on and on. But there's three other things that I could say about all of them together. Well, number one, they were humbled. The scripture tells us that God exalts the humble but puts down the proud. Humility will go a long way and our ability, and God's ability to use us to change the world around us. Secondly, they were courageous. We need to be brave in the world today. <coughs> because these stories are so familiar to many of us from perhaps, you know, reading them in a children's book or seeing the veggie tale version of them. 
or any other version of them, they become so familiar to us that we, again, lose the impact of the seriousness of the situations that each of these young people found themselves in. And in the midst of the difficulty and challenge, most of them, again, had foreign leadership, government, that was in control of their lives. Three out of the four did. And David had his own king who had control of his life. But they were courageous in the midst of those, having no control over what others would do to them. Right? And often we find ourselves in a world where, where things are out of our control, but we can stand brave and courageous, knowing, as we have heard of David and the others, that the faith in the God who is greater will sustain us and take us through. And the last thing that I think is important about all of these is that they were all faithful. Say faithful. Say it again. Faithful to Adonai. God is looking for people who are faithful first and foremost to him, not to a job, not to a person, not even to a country, but faithful to him. He needs to be first in our lives, and we have to live faithfully to him. So I'll encourage you as I close this message today that difficulty is sure to come our way. And if right now you have no challenges or difficulties, all I'm going to say is wait, because it's coming. Because it is a part of life. But like these three men and this young woman, Hadassah, we will most certainly face the challenges and hindrances and rise up above them if we emulate these qualities that we see in them. Don't Let your circumstances discourage you. Do not let the hardships or difficulties you face immobilize you. Because, friends, we can make a difference in this world, even in the midst of difficulty, challenges, darkness. But we have to choose to rise above the adversity by emulating those who have gone before us trusting that Adonai will be with us just as he was with them, and he will help us to be history makers in our generation. We have been transformed so that the world around us can be transformed. So let us choose, as my husband said, to make a difference in the world. And let's not use the fact that we have difficulty in our life as an excuse to why we can't make a difference. Amen. Let's stand our feet and pray. We'll close with the ironic benediction. Hashem, we thank you for your word today. Challenging and encouraging us. God, I thank you that each one of us here, God, our lives are meant to make a difference in the world we live in. And I pray that the truth of this message today would penetrate deep into each of our hearts. And God, we would begin to live a little differently in this week ahead of us, understanding that you have called us to make a difference in the the world and in the sphere of influence. God, in this room or 
Those who might be listening to the podcast, I believe there are Daniels and Hadassahs and Davids and Yosefs, God, who you are going to put in in very unique positions to to make dramatic change on a a large scale, God. And I pray that these uh, people would respond to your call today and to your encouragement so that when that time comes, Lord, they would be ready to make a difference, Lord. And for each of us, again, whatever our sphere of influence may be, I pray that we would be ready, 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 God, and not excusing away anything, but that we would make a difference in the world around us. In Yeshua's name, amen. I'm going to close with ironic benediction. Rabbi Michael is going to make his way to the back, and after the uh, blessing, I will join him so we can greet you as you leave today. Uh, for those who are on my ONED committee, or if you'd like to be on the committee, we're meeting today just to plan for our Purim celebration. Uh, you're welcome to join us up on the mezzanine. And again, check the calendar or the app for everything that's happening this week. We have quite a few things. Adonai said to Moshe, speak to Aharon and his sons and tell them that this is how you are to bless the people of Israel. You are to say to them, May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace and anointing of God Almighty, and may you make a difference in the world this week that you live in, even in spite of the challenges and difficulties you're facing. Amen.